Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. Good morning. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast and radio show explore the world's cultural landscape. We engage at the intersection of digital media, sound art, and social practice to spark conversations about contemporary art, film, and architecture. Today, our subject is sound art, and we are live streaming on Jolt Radio in Miami, Florida, to bring you a very special experience. With me is a man I call a guru of sound art, and his name is Gustavo Matamoros. Welcome. Thank you, Kathy. Happy to be here. Our field expedition has taken us to Miami Beach to a small sound art space known as Audiotech. And this darkened chamber is one of the artist studios in the Art Center of South Florida. It sits on the second floor of 924 Lincoln Road. That's important because I want you to go there. A shopping and dining destination for tourists on Miami Beach, you might not expect to hold this sound chamber that we're sitting in right now, but it's here waiting for you. I want to introduce Gustavo, who was born in Caracas, Venezuela. You have been involved in Miami's music and sound scene for over 30 years. Yes, yes. I came here in 1979, and I came to school. I graduated in 1983 from the University of Miami, and soon right after that, actually even while we were in school, we had a festival, for example, called the Meta Music Festival that was in honor of John Cage, and he came down for three days. And uh, Well, I was a student at the University of Miami. Yeah. That must have been such an exciting moment for the really students great. here. It was fantastic, yes. Soon after that, I became involved with people that organize concerts of different kinds of things. And I became also involved with helping people with concert presentations and all that. I was very early on interested in electronics, and that meant I could do sound for, for people like that. You're a composer, you're a sound designer, obviously an installation designer, and a project designer. What I know you most for, perhaps, is the leadership role you've taken in organizing the Subtropics Experimental Music and Sound Art Festival that will be celebrating its 25th iteration in 2020. Yes, yes. Thank you. Your work is so wide-ranging, and I know you've been asked to compose sound art performance pieces for all manner of people, but I was reading about one you did that was a 13-hour sound installation on a canal yes. here in Miami on the beach. Yes, back in, I think this was uh, 2009 when uh, Gary Farmer was involved in organizing the Sleepless Nights. That was uh, commissioned to propose a project for that. And we decided on the canal behind the convention center. Uh, that was also the birth of a project of mine that we called Frozen Music that involves uh, David Dunn, who's uh, also himself a very important sound artist here in the United States, and uh, my friend Rene Barch, also who is a Miami-based sound artist of great 
talent too. And we did a piece called Canal. And it was 13 hours long, started at 6 o'clock in the afternoon and went on until 6 in the morning. And we had, according to the people that keep track of these things, you know, about 50,000 people experienced this piece during the sleepless night. important right now to define sound art. This is not, by the way, the first conversation that Gustavo and I have had about sound art. We talked about subtropics when it took place in 2017. Those of you listening that are interested should go to freshartinternational.com and and search out subtropics and you'll find a conversation about what takes place during that festival. So sound art, I always revise in my own definition of what sound art is, and sometimes depending on where I pick up the conversation. The fact is that sound art is difficult to define because there's the people who practice it do so many different things. In essence, you know, you could say simply that sound art is about working with sound. Like in painting, paint would be a very important aspect. In my case, then sound becomes the material that we use. So I could tell you about how I think about sound art in my own practice. For me, sound is simply it's a disturbance in the forest, right? Silence is quiet. Uh, when something happens, there's a vibration, and that vibration is a sound. And the sound represents, in a way, what happened. So for me, making a relationship with sound from very early on was a very important thing. And I thought at some point that studying music would help me explore that. It was the one thing that you could say, well, I can go to school for this and uh, learn about sound. And I did go through a school. I studied music theory and composition with a degree from the University of Miami. But then very soon, and, and being inspired by people like John Cage who came to visit the school... The um, duet of the, of the improvisation with the snare drum and the, <clears throat> and the uh, Steinberger guitar was just great. Both of those musicians are so... Uh, they're so... Um, attentive to to their instruments and to the, their possibilities. <clears throat> it was marvelous to hear a snare drum played uh, in such a free-ranging way. I forget how I make something until I study it. 
but um, it seems to me it was a division of the time to begin with. Uh, and then um, statements about what to put in the time. How many sounds and and <clears throat> the notion of a of a of a um, <clears throat> special sound goes uh, is present in each one of the improvisations, and for the for the snare drum it was the uh, rim shot putting a stick on the edge of the drum and, and striking not the drum but the stick. <coughs> I think it may have been something to do with um, in the guitar of something that was um, characteristic of the Steinberger guitar of shif shifting the um, pitches perhaps. I began to be interested in the physicality of sound. People like Alvin Lucier and all those people. I am sitting in a room different from the one you are in now. I am recording the sound of my speaking voice and I am going to play it back into the room again and again until the resonant frequencies of the room reinforce themselves so that any semblance of my speech with perhaps the exception of is destroyed what you will hear then are the natural resonant frequencies of the room articulated by speech regard this activity not so much as a demonstration of a physical fact, but more as a way to smooth out any irregularities my speech might have. And then there was also a sound artist here, his name Russell Freling, who was very instrumental in helping me get these things that were inside me kind of out. was encouraged by that and then since then I started practicing sound art and yet 
It was difficult to do here because, first of all, there wasn't really an audience for this, no, almost anywhere, but here it was difficult. But I thought that, well, look, I want to live in Miami. I want to do experiments here. I want to try to figure out what it means to be a composer in the community, a sound artist in the community. And I figure that the experimentation, for me, didn't have to happen only in the realm of the content of the work that I was doing, but also in terms of thinking about context, how to present this stuff, what is the way to present this, this artwork. And so for me, sound art has been about three things. It's been about content, which is I record sounds, I try to figure out how to present them. The second thing has been technology, which is the stuff that's needed to display these sounds. And the third, and I think most important for me, has been architecture. It's been the space itself where you actually present this, or the context where, in which you present these sounds. In that sense, the pieces that we do outside, those have been, for me, the most successful because acoustically that situation is where sound behaves the most natural. Once you start entering spaces like this, it requires a lot of acoustical tuning you know, this space now where you can actually pretty much hear where each sound is coming from and all that, that takes a great deal of thought. Your umbrella name is Subtropics. Mm -hmm. It yes. represents the space, the frozen music. We've talked about the biennial. And is there still a listening club? All of these things that you are mentioning are simply names of projects that I have started in order to explore different aspects of, of experimental music or sound art. Because the important thing about art, I think, is that people get to experience it. So as a composer, you know, I was taught to sit down on front of the table with staff paper and write notes on the page. And then by the time I thought I was finished, I would sign that page and that would be done, right? Well, but who's going to play this music and how is this music going to get to the person that's going to listen to it? That broke me right away as soon as I left school. Although there were a lot of things that we did, like that festival with John Cage, within the context of the university, but outside of class, that pointed to the kinds of things that composers must be involved in in order to create community around music. My thing is being an exploration of that, and every time I have an idea, well, guess what? It turns into a project, the project gets a name, and then people associate me with the project, and if the project happens to be a presenting project like the Sopropis Festival, then I become a presenter. And then when I'm doing a different project like the Listening Club, right? The Listening Club is simply about gathering people in this space, and have them listen to music. I do some of those myself, but I often also invite, uh, at the time I was doing many of them, uh, in, I would invite people to select their own, you know, curate a certain listening experience for people and, and in a way that they could answer questions about what we were hearing. And it didn't have to be an academic gesture, but instead an invitation to experience sound art or 
experimental music, or actually we did many kinds of music. I, we had listening clubs on Frank Zappa, we, on early music, on all kinds of different subjects. You have an archive of recordings documenting experimental music since 1975. Yes. And maybe the only archive of its kind. My interest has been in inviting people who actually either perform their own music or are involved in that process, rather than simply staging an interpretation of their music by a string quartet or something like that. So that's been behind always the intent with the Sopropics Festival since the start. Let's describe Audiotech 2.0. It's both a program and the inauguration of the space. Yes. Let's describe the space where we're sitting right now. Before I do that, I want to say this project is possible because of the Knight Foundation giving us the funding to be able to organize. We have here 30 channels of sound that are composed in four different configurations. We have mid-sized speakers, some smaller speakers, and then some really big speakers. And, and they're all combined to make 30 channels of sound. And the pieces that I've made for this particular opening and for the run through December 15th are combined in a single installation gesture in four parts. It's called Four Audible Experiences of movement of sound in space. And the different pieces are designed to showcase different aspects of the sound system. The main feature of the space is also its acoustical conditions. Another way of wording that is spatialized sound, meaning the sound that you're going to hear will move around the room, around us, while we're in one place. The sound will come to us from different perspectives in the room and everything's painted black here the floor is black the ceiling the walls all the equipment and there's just very few lights in order to focus your attention when you're in this space on sound so 30 channels sound environment four set configurations and now we're going to have the experience that mm -hmm. Gustavo created for this. The first one has the title, Small Sounds Up the Wall, for Alison Knowles. And I think it's really important to talk about Alison Knowles, a legend. Sure. Well, Alison and I actually been friends. We met back in 1992, I believe, when we... I had her come down for a festival I called Word Sound. Since then, we've just been in touch. And we actually performed together a couple times and did some things, some recording in uh, Kingston, New York, et cetera, et cetera. So that we have a history together. The one she performed here or did a workshop in was mm -hmm. called Paper Weather. Her work there is about experimenting with different textures of paper and the sound of this paper. She makes different shapes. One looked like a hat, right? And the other ones looked like sleeves and things like that. And so the paper weather piece actually has a score, and the score tells you what kinds of sounds you need to make and with different instruments. All of these pieces separately, they have names 
because they make different sounds. This is like the storm thing. The storm thing is actually two sheets of paper that are sealed on the sides. There's beans inside. This is the gray flax open bean turner with pigeon peas. In Alison's work, this idea of manipulating things is very important. So with her, I'm always having conversations about this idea of making friends with things by manipulating them, by handling them. Let's listen to your composition okay. of small sounds up the wall. The piece is organized around the sounds of very small objects. I wonder how this very small thing may sound, like a cat's whisker, for instance, or a hair or a little tiny wire, you know, things like that. And I amplify these things immensely. instruments we were hearing? Well, I wish I remembered. A lot of these sounds I've been making since the 90s, and I keep collecting them as I make them. What I can tell you about is the process of recording, which I think is the interesting part. This is almost like putting things under a microscope. You use a kind of microphone that's called a contact microphone, basically that allows me to listen to the object from its own perspective. So if I was a match burning, I would hear the sound of the wood as it ignites very loudly. It's like almost when you put your ear to a table and then knock on the table, that is a loud sound. It's a different quality of sound than when you record sounds like we're recording the voice right now. And how many speakers were involved in this piece? In this piece, there's 12 speakers that actually lay up and down the wall. The configuration is there's like four speakers at the top, four speakers in the middle, four speakers at the bottom. And the sound sort of travels up and down in different ways. Hence the title. Hence the title. Our second sound 
experience, our audible encounter, is titled Everglades for Charles Recker. Charles had a deep Miami history. He made films, from my understanding. He grew up in the Everglades or spending a lot of time in the Everglades, and that makes sense to me that you would be thinking of him when you compose this piece. He's no longer with us, so, but he played a key role here in Miami. Sure, in Miami, and actually in my life too, because we knew each other for a long time and also were collaborators. Together we did a big project, the Miami Performing Arts Center, a year before it opened. It was commissioned by Justin McDonald, the then artistic director, and it was called Carson Fish. It was 2005, and it was part of our Basel that year. It was a big thing. They blocked Biscayne Boulevard to traffic. His part was projections that twirl around huge projections the size of the two buildings. So the images were continuously moving on one direction, like a hurricane, right? From right to left. And I did a sound installation that went on along with that that was about 12 different speakers. That was a really big project, probably the biggest project I've ever been involved in. With him also did some many other things. And the thing is that he and I would go to the Everglades together. 
that sort of encapsulates for me, you know, my relationship with uh, Charles. And this one involves how many speakers? This one involves more speakers, almost all the speakers. It's not a construction in the same way that the small sound pieces. I had a, a month-long residency, IRI residency in 2013 in the Everglades. We're talking about the artists in residence in the Everglades. Gustavo was in residence there for a month. Yeah, and many of these recordings were made then, and I went back and made some others. When you hear these sounds, they don't really belong together in the same time, in the same place. These are actually all from the park, but some are morning sounds, others are dusk sounds. And some are three o'clock in the morning sounds, which are my favorite, and, and so on. And so think of this as a party in the Everglades where everybody is invited and they're all kind of sharing the same space at the same time. Birds and animals, are you able to identify what we're listening to specifically? I am able to identify some of the amphibians, some of the frogs. There's a reaction from the Q and tree frogs that basically go... Right. I can tell what those are. I should explain that as much as I would like to know what these things are called, I'm just basically a person who collects sounds and listen to sound for the character, the qualities. I think these are useful to people. Scientists will find this, uh, these recordings useful that way, but I just enjoy the sounds. I mean, your research is into the world of sound. It's yeah. not meant to document certain yeah. species or any of that, which sure. is a pure experience of nature. Maybe this is a good time to interject a little bit about how I feel about collaboration, for instance. I'm not a scientist, and my interest in sound transcends these kinds of things. So for me, it's important to maintain integrity in what my exploration is. Then the collaborations are so much richer because 
then the people who are really interested in certain things, their experience of what I'm doing is surprising. From that perspective, I think I'm not that so interested in what outcomes other than simply a sound experience are embedded in the work that I do. And the mystery is the poetry of this piece, that you don't know everything. You don't need to know it to appreciate that you're immersed in nature in a way that you might not normally have the chance to be. For me, it's about my own relationship to the world through sound. I always felt, since I was a kid, it's outside of language. And so it's about intimacy with the world through sound. What I'm revealing here is my own relationship with the world through sound. And I don't intend to make that any, any more than what it is. So let's move on to the string solo that is for Vito Acconci. He is a multidimensional artist that lived from 1940 to 2017. He did performance, video, installation, and eventually his practice evolved to include sculpture and architectural design and even landscape design. But what we want to talk about today is his relationship with sound. Well, Vito was somebody who was not necessarily... He didn't consider himself an artist, you know, like a visual artist or this. He did all these things coming from the sense that he thought of himself mostly as a poet. What all these other practices did for him, I think, is take the poetry of the page and into the experience. And, into and, the world. Into the world and try to use that perspective in decoding what the world is saying. to The thing that I really appreciate the most so far in listening to his sound pieces. He likes to work with language, of course, and his pieces are so incredibly well constructed in terms of the sound experience of it. You know, you have one person speaking on one side, another person on the other side. There's a, there's a combination always. And, and these are, a lot of times, are pieces that basically speak from the perspective of somebody that's maybe expressing an idea, but also you feel like someone is just thinking inside their heads. And this is really a fantastic thing to achieve with the sounds and the sound of the voice, the way he speaks, everything is very well put together. It's like theater of the mind, you know? You are the Europeans. Nous sommes les Européens. You wait and see. Nous attendons de voir ce qui se passe. You don't have to speak for yourselves. Nous n'avons pas à plaider notre cause. You have America in the back of your minds. Nous avons l'Amérique derrière la tête. Listen. He and I met back in 2011, something like that. We did a talk together here. We happened to be in the same panel, and we kind of hit it off and became friends. The conversations we would have about art all kind of pointed towards... For him, it didn't seem like art was offering something of that much interest, that there was more interest in design, for instance. Design was actually more in the cutting edge. But anyway, I was very much interested in his ideas about context 
mostly. So how did you put string solo together? Well, string solo is probably the most poetic of the pieces that I put together for the Audiotech 2.0. And that's why I thought, well, this would be a nice thing to honor. Vito just died a, a year and a half ago or so. So it's like a memory thing. The piece is a single string. It's the sound of a single string. You'll hear it. It, it sort of takes over the whole space. audio experience that we're about to encounter is called 85 Audible Moments for Pauline Oliveros. And she is another legend among these that we've been speaking of today, a composer whose life's work aspired to enhance sensory perception through a practice that she called deep listening. Yes. Let's describe what deep listening is. I think simply put, it's about paying attention to sound. She developed a whole bunch of uh, strategies for how to listen. Towards the end, she also kind of started doing meditation retreats and things like that that would be designed to introduce people to this idea. 
I particularly relate to her work and both as a composer and in the realm of trying to be an advocate for this listening idea. Because as you work with sound and you understand that sound is so important, I mean, there's so much information that comes to us through sound that doesn't come to us through any other sense. I'm of the opinion that we need to introduce regular classes, listening classes, you know, in the schools. The same way we teach uh, kids how to write and how to read and how to sometimes debate, speak. I think we need to teach people how to listen. It's not necessarily about music classes, which are already in the schools. I think we all feel much better about having music in the schools if we had listening classes. Pauline was really a champion in getting these ideas out. And my piece is actually was a commission by her wife who wanted to surprise Pauline for her 85th birthday by commissioning 85 people to create 85 pieces that would be premiered during her 85 birthday celebration. What a great idea. So, yes, she was the one that surprised us. She passed away right before this celebration. But we all made the pieces. You still celebrated with each other. Yeah, the event happened and everything, and uh, it it happened in Canada. My piece is actually 85 audible moments for Pauline Oliveros. What I call an audible moment, anyone could maybe think of as a sound, right? It's the sound of something. It could be basically a sound word or a sound sentence, if I could call it that. These are not words, there are very little words in this. These sounds, sound moments are each different from one another. There are 85 of those moments in 85 seconds. And this piece uses every single speaker in this room. Yeah, I would call this like the tutti, the allegro, the finale, uh, yeah. I love this, and I'm excited to share this one. It moves very quickly. I, I did have the chance to hear it once, and it's a delightful sound experience, in my opinion, and I look forward to sharing it with you right now. accordion a free reed instrument Thank <laughs> you. 
perfection. Okay. What a great finale. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So this has been an amazing pleasure. I want to be sure we tell people now where they can find you and when. Sure. To have these, the full-bodied experience of what we just shared. So what we're doing uh, is we're opening to the public every Saturday from uh, uh, 1 to 6 p.m. through December 15th. And, you know, you're all invited to come. The Audiotech is located inside the Arts Center South Florida at 924 Lincoln Road in Miami Beach. And, you know, I'll be here every Saturday. The important thing is, you know, bring your friends. And every Saturday you can hear these pieces that I just... I play over the radio, but each Saturday we're introducing some new element to the mix. Of course, it is possible to experience any of the things that we did in previous Saturdays. So it's a, an accumulative kind of experience. And, you know, it's very relaxed. You could come in and start hearing things, or maybe I'll be speaking to somebody about some of the stuff that's happening. And it's very loose in terms of how things get presented. And I think that's really interesting. It's been an experience of just having people over to experience something without it being so formal that this happens at this time, this happens. No, it just everything happens organically depending on who's here and what they want to hear. Right, so five hours in the afternoons on Saturdays for the next three months. And special experiences will come each time you could come every Saturday and have a different experience of sound. Some of those are going to be with some collaborative sound artists and composers here in town. Edward Bob, Rene Barge. Archambault. There's several people that will be working with us in residencies and doing things with the sound system.
it was very difficult to set it up, but now that's happening, it's a nice thing to share with other people. It's exciting. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird, and we're live streaming on Jolt Radio in Miami. To introduce Gustavo Matamoras, Audiotech 2.0, Subtropics, and the world of sound art that is waiting for you at Art Center South Florida on Miami Beach on the second floor, and there's a sign right on the door that says Audiotech. If you would like to hear other conversations about sound art, you'll find them on our website. We've recorded with Gustavo, Abba Triana, Stephen Vitiello, Magdi Mostafa, and Martha Raioli, and we invite you to go anywhere you go to listen, to look them up, or to our website to see some of the artifacts of the sounds they're sharing. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review us. With the support of followers like you, we've been sharing these conversations since 2011. This is a great time to invest in our work because the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation awarded us an Arts Challenge grant. And that means the foundation will match every dollar we receive. So go to freshartinternational.com and click on the red support button to give what you can. Thank you for joining me today, Gustavo. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for coming. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk 